Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Another wild day in Washington. We've got good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today. Glad you're with us. Uh, Grab a stool, please. We're brought to you today by Stamps.com. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office this year. Sign up for Stamps.com instead. With our promo code 3Martini, you can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. That's Stamps.com and then 3Martini at the top of the homepage. Get to more of that in just a moment. Uh, Jim, let's start with a good martini related to Joe Biden. And I kind of see this as a uh, eye of the beholder martini. You certainly believe it's a good martini, and I certainly hope it's a good martini. But Joe Biden was asked again about court packing by Nora O'Donnell of 60 Minutes. Both candidates were interviewed by 60 Minutes. There's been a lot of attention, of course, to Trump walking out on his interview with Leslie Stahl. But Joe Biden was asked by Nora O'Donnell about court packing. And Joe Biden has yet again another answer on this question. Instead of saying it's none of our business or he'll tell you after the election, uh, now he's got a special commission that he's planning to impanel uh, if, in fact, he's elected. If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative. And I will uh, ask them to, over uh, 180 days, come back to me with recommendations as to how to uh, reform the court system because it's getting out of whack, um, the way in which it's being handled. And it's not about court packing. There's a number of other things that our constitutional scholars have debated, and I'd look to see what recommendations that commission might make. So you're telling us you're going to study this issue about whether to pack the court. No, whether there's a number of alternatives that are go well beyond packing. This is a live ball. Oh, it is a live ball. No, it is a live ball. We're going to have to do that. And you're going to find there's a lot of conservative constitutional scholars who are saying it as well. The last thing we need to do is turn the Supreme Court into just a political football. Whoever has the most votes gets whatever they want. Presidents come and go. Supreme Court justices stay for generations. Jim, that political football works so well for Democrats for generations. It's only now, of course, that uh, they might not have a working majority on the uh, Supreme Court, that it's a huge, huge problem and and we must uh, deal with it. Uh, So there's two ways of looking at this. Uh, Those who are skeptical of Biden uh, on this say that he's just waiting to see uh, what the results of the congressional elections would be, as well as his own, of course. And if he thinks he could pass something in the Senate, he might still uh, pivot to that. And he might pack this commission uh, with Republicans of the ilk of you know, John Kasich, who wouldn't be a, a legal conservative, but people supposedly on the right who might rubber stamp it. On the other side, you've got folks like your colleague Ramesh Panubaru saying, look, commissions are where crazy ideas go to die. He went out on this limb, realized from the polls and everything else that the public wanted nothing to do with this, regardless of what they think of what the Republicans are doing with the Amy Coney Barrett nomination and confirmation. And so this is his way of killing it without uh, depressing his uh, radical left followers. What do you think? Ramesh has weighed in, my colleague Michael Brendordi has weighed in, and my other colleague uh, Dan McLaughlin, who is a lawyer, has weighed in on this. You know, you can say this is bad in the sense that Biden will not push this idea off the table. He's leaving the door open. Uh, You know, if you think court packing is a bad idea, then the fact that Joe Biden is currently leading in this race could well be the next president. And the fact that he will not rule it out, you know, that's bad. That having been said, if you've watched Washington long enough, you know that you know, one is that bipartisan commissions is where ideas go to die. 
Actually, there's two ways to, to look at this. One is that, yeah, this is what you do when you don't want to make this decision. And if the bipartisan commission looks at this and says, you know, if you try to expand the size of the Supreme Court, there's just nowhere near the right level of consensus in this. And by the way, in a polling environment where every, almost everything is coming up roses for Democrats, other than, say, Amy Coney Barrett's approval, uh, the, there is not support for court packing. Uh, expanding the size of the Supreme Court is only supported by roughly a third of the electorate. And this is the third of the electorate that would probably support any idea put forth by the Democrats. Somebody else, by the way, also made a point of uh, thinking about things that had ideas that had excited the Twitter left. Greg, remember um, abolishing ICE? Yes. Remember that? That was like the big crusade. And, and nobody's talked about that in any seriousness for the better part of a year. You know, uh, ban the police, ab abolish the police. You know, this summer, that was a very big idea. Now a great deal of the steam has faded from that idea. It doesn't mean Democrats don't want to do it anymore. But, you know, Joe Biden takes office. He's going to have a limited amount of political capital. And, you know, expanding the size of the Supreme Court would use up probably every last iota of that political capital. So I think Ramesh has it right that actually this makes it more likely because, one, the bipartisan commission can look at this and say, eh, yeah, this probably isn't going to do, you know, and they can cut. And also, Biden talks about it. And he wants other ideas on the table. He wants uh, term limits for the Supreme Court. Almost all of the ideas that they're proposing, by the way, would probably require a constitutional amendment. And we all know how <laughs> you know, changing the Constitution is not a quick and easy process. You really can't do it unless there is a broad consensus in support of the idea. So you add all that together, the odds of the Supreme Court being expanded or packed in the near future are growing less likely over time. I think this is a hint that Biden isn't really hell bent for leather on this idea. That having been said, by not saying, yeah, I'm not gonna do this, Biden doesn't get any benefit of, you know, overruling an unpopular idea. By leaving the door open, however slim, Republicans who are upset about this are gonna remain upset about this. Um, but already you've had liberal judicial groups come out and say, this is punting, this is a surrender, this is giving up before the fight even begins. Biden may have managed to demoralize his own side and to outrage the opposition. And this is probably, you know, if you're on the right side of the spectrum, that's probably about as good a scenario as you can get. Jim, that would be fantastic to have Republicans motivated and, and Democrats less motivated uh, to vote. We've got a lot of close races around the country all the way up and down the ballot. So that would be nice, but uh, also nice Getting stuff for Christmas. Uh, that's coming up faster than you think. You know, we're less than 10 days away from Halloween. We're about a month away from Thanksgiving. Christmas really just about two months away now. And more than ever in this pandemic atmosphere, you know, if you're not going to travel necessarily to be with family and, and, and friends and other loved ones, uh, you're going to be mailing stuff. And so you don't want to have to stand in line at the post office. And so more people mailing more stuff than ever. That means the post office is going to be busy you don't have time for that, and you don't need to have time for that. Stamps.com brings the post office and now UPS shipping right to your computer. You can mail and ship anything from the convenience of your home or office. That's because with Stamps.com, anything, anything you can do at the post office, you can do at home with just a few clicks. Plus, Stamps.com saves you money with deep discounts you couldn't even get at the post office if you did stand in line. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business. Whether you're a small office that's sending out invoices or an online seller who's fulfilling orders during this record-setting holiday season, or even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. 
you simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, you just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get $0.05 cents off of every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail, as well as up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder that more than 900,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. And with savings like Jim just mentioned, uh, it's obvious that you want to go with Stamps.com. And even if you're not a business, uh, last year we sent out quite a few Christmas cards. The most expensive thing by far, postage. Saving money just on the stamps is definitely a good reason to go with Stamps.com. So don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office this year. You don't need to. Sign up for Stamps.com instead. There's literally no risk. With our promo code 3Martini, you can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale without any long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in 3Martini. Two words as one. No space. 3Martini in the uh, box by the microphone. Stamps.com, then enter 3Martini. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. All right, Jim, the story that's been percolating for days now uh, on the right and the media is trying to uh, ignore is the story of uh, Hunter Biden and the emails on his laptop. We'll get to that in the crazy martini in much more detail. But one of the people behind uh, the contents of this laptop coming to light, Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York City, of course, uh, presidential candidate in his own right in 2008 and uh, for the past couple of years here has been a pretty high-profile legal advisor to President Trump. Um, But uh, Giuliani is also the subject of controversy, especially on Wednesday, uh, from his appearance in a new Sasha Baron Cohen movie, uh, the Borat movie, that I believe is uh, coming out tomorrow. Uh, According to stills that were released yesterday, it appeared that Giuliani was lying on his back on a bed with his hand down his trousers, Uh, And a young blonde uh, girl that apparently was posing as a conservative news reporter at her back to the camera. And uh, Sasha Baron Cohen apparently barged in and said, no, 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 she's only 15. So the rumor was that Giuliani, of course, was about to engage in inappropriate conduct with a minor. Uh, Giuliani fighting back vigorously yesterday on Twitter saying that is completely not what happened. He says, quote, the Borat video is a complete fabrication. I was tucking in my shirt after taking off the recording equipment. At no time before, during, or after the interview was I ever inappropriate. If Sasha Baron Cohen implies otherwise, he's a stone-cold liar. In fact, the New York Post today reports it looks to me like an exaggeration through editing. As soon as I realized I was set up, I called the police, which has been noted in THR. I think that's the Hollywood Reporter article on July 8th. He says this is an effort to blunt my relentless exposure of the criminality and depravity of Joe Biden and his entire family. And then he goes on to say, we are preparing much bigger dumps off the hard drive from hell, of which Joe Biden will be unable to defend or hide from. I have the receipts. And uh, we'll be getting into that again in the next martini. But uh, Jim, I mean, Giuliani, time man of the year following 9-11, prestigious uh, reputation. And it certainly looks like uh, he was the victim of a misinformation campaign right here. What do you make of uh, Rudy Giuliani, the uh, clandestine... uh, operative for the uh, Trump campaign and Trump White House uh, being in this situation. 
Well, I guess the first thing that jumps out at me, Greg, is the idea that Rudy Giuliani, one of the world's most famous men, could be a clandestine operative. <laughs> if everybody recognizes you wherever you go, you're not that clandestine. Um, for what you know, the question of what happened. Two of my colleagues have seen the Borat movie already: uh, Robert Verbruggen and Kyle Smith. Verbruggen writes. Folks, the actress playing Borat's daughter is in her 20s, and she was pretending to be a journalist. The fictional character is 15, but he is not. He, meaning Giuliani, is not told that until Borat pops up in the end. Daily Beast got this right; had no reason to believe his interviewer was underage. Uh, Kyle Smith, who also uh, saw it and has written a review, says this is a non-scandal. It is a grown woman who's 24. Later, she unhooks his body mic, and his shirt becomes untucked. So he reaches to tuck in his shirt for two seconds. Apparently. The, you know, still frame we've seen of that is, you know, uh, high, selected to make it look much more scandalous than the interaction actually is. So, one, it's bad that if this really is what happened, and I guess those who watched the film will be able to see for themselves, then it's really awful that, you know, Rudy Giuliani is being accused of trying to uh, seduce an underage woman or whatever we're supposed to be thinking about this. That having been said, I, I'm kind of, this is, there are a couple, quite a few cases in the past of, Rudy Giuliani accidentally uh, sending text messages to reporters. I think it was Olivia, Olivia News East comes to mind. Um, Giuliani's kind of off doing his own thing a lot of these times. He, he seems very strange. And he's now become this, this really key conduit figure for this information about Hunter Biden. And unfortunately, there are a bunch of people who are going to just look at Rudy Giuliani and his appearances with, you know, Judge Pirro and things like that and just, you know, dismiss it all as kooky conspiracy theories or because he's been hanging around in Ukraine, concluding, ah, this must be Russian, Russian disinformation. Now, as we'll talk about in our third martini, there's actually some stuff that's starting to add up here. But uh, the, all in all, I kind of wish Rudy Giuliani was not the guy at the center of this. And I really wish he would not just, you know, fall for these pranks by Borat. Uh, now, I don't know, again, I haven't seen the whole sequence. I don't know what Rudy Giuliani, what information Rudy Giuliani had, but um, this is just something that nobody in American politics or nobody in America really needed to hear or to see in amongst everything else that's going on at this moment. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next. All right, let's talk about Hunter Biden here in our crazy martini. And uh, this is an issue that got the New York Post kicked off of Twitter for at least a week now. And But the more we uh, seem to dig into this, the more it seems to be legitimate. There's uh, the initial claims from folks in the media that this was Russian disinformation. You had the intelligence community and the FBI saying, no, this is not Russian disinformation. And now you've got a former business partner of Hunter Biden saying all of this is genuine and there's a lot more to the story. This guy's name is Tony Bobolinsky. And in a statement to the New York Post, he says, what I'm outlining is fact. I know it is fact because I lived it. I am the CEO of Sinahawk Holdings, which was a partnership between the Chinese operating through CEFC, Chairman Yi, and the Biden family. I was brought into the company to be the CEO by James Gilliar and Hunter Biden. The reference to the big guy in the much-publicized May 13, 2017 email, which he was on and confirmed as genuine, is in fact a reference to Joe Biden. The other JB referenced in that email is Jim Biden, 
who is Joe's brother. Hunter Biden called his dad the big guy or my chairman and frequently referenced asking him for his sign-off or advice on various potential deals that we were discussing. I've seen Vice President Biden saying he never talked to Hunter about his business. I've seen firsthand that that's not true because it wasn't just Hunter's business. They said they were putting the Biden family name and its legacy on the line. And then he references the recent Johnson report, Ron Johnson Senate report, said it connected some dots in a way that shocked me. It made me realize the Bidens had gone behind my back and gotten paid millions of dollars by the Chinese, even though they told me they hadn't and wouldn't do that to their partners. I would ask the Biden family to address the American people and outline the facts so I can go back to being irrelevant and so I am not put in a position to have to answer those questions for them. I don't have a political axe to grind. I just saw behind the Biden curtain and I grew concerned with what I saw. The Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family name to make millions of dollars from foreign entities, even though some were from communist-controlled China. So... Jim, no doubt this will come up at the debate tonight, uh, if not from the moderator, certainly from Trump. So uh, as this drip, drip, drip has played out for the past several days, where do we stand now? Yeah, by the way, in addition to everything you laid out, a short time before we started taping, uh, Mike Emanuel of Fox News has pictures of a May 20th text exchange uh, between Tony Bobulinski and his business partner, James Gilliar, in which he says, don't mention Joe being involved. It's only when you are face to face. I know you know that, but they are paranoid, which is a reference to Joe Biden. If this all shakes out, this is a really huge deal. It means, I mean, look, before anyone goes any further, I would say, if you know anything about the career of Hunter Biden, put aside the drug stuff, put aside the prostitute stuff, put aside all that other stuff. Last last year, I put together the most complete timeline I could find on the career of Hunter Biden, where he worked, who he worked with, who his business partners were, the whole nine yards. Everything I could find, I tried to find, you know, sources that were um, not seen as partisan or shaky in any way. This is all New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, uh, you know, business publications, you know, all people who followed this sort of thing. Hunter Biden's almost his entire career has been built on being Joe Biden's son. Uh, Maybe he is a bright guy, as the former vice president insists, but a lot of opportunities in lobbying, in business, and in things related to politics and investment. The doors opened very quickly. Money came very quickly for Hunter Biden in part because of this. And by the way, the the brother, Joe Biden's brother, James, was very often involved in similar type of uh, type business ventures. If what... Bobulinski is laying out uh, right now is true. It means that Hunter Biden was involved with a Chinese company that was effectively controlled by the Chinese government. Let's not fool ourselves. Every Chinese business based over there is effectively under the thumb of the Chinese government. That they got involved and Joe Biden apparently was a silent partner. Apparently there was a certain amount of money that was supposed to go to Joe Biden as a part of this. It was a, you know, obviously kept secret. It was not shown up on Joe Biden's tax returns. And that this was a way that a Chinese government controlled entity could put money into the pocket of Joe Biden. Maybe Tony Bobulinski is making this all up. May, if nothing else, it is very reasonable to say, oh, oh, you knew about secret, you know, secret payments to a former vice president and a guy who clearly has been running for president. And only on October 21st, 22nd, you come to that 2020, you come ahead with this information. Don't you think the American people could have and should have had this information long ago? You've managed to unveil this information in the exact way which this will be dismissed as a last minute Hail Mary pass by the Trump campaign. 
it would be very useful if Tony Bobolinsky, if he's telling the truth, there should be a ton of financial records that would confirm all this stuff. Maybe this is what the FBI was investigating with that laptop. There have been claims that this wasn't related to some sort of money laundering investigation, i.e. laundering money so that it can be legitimately put in pockets of the Biden family in some way. Look, maybe the most scathing accusations pointed in the direction of Joe Biden are true. There's always been something annoying about this and the way in which uh, Joe Biden's default setting on this whole thing has been, I'm not going to let you badmouth my son about that, instead of laying out a very detailed explanation of who his son's business partners were, what they were investing in, what he did for them, the whole nine yards. All of us from the very beginning have looked at things like Burisma and said, okay, that stinks. He's completely unqualified for that job. This is a backdoor way of buying a friend in Washington. And maybe that is the case. And what Bobolinsky is talking about is something much worse than that, though, because this is... Uh, a, I think you can safely say that the, effort, the efforts of the Chinese government to surreptitiously influence the American government have been going on since, oh, I don't know, Greg, you think like uh, you know, Bill Clinton's re-election campaign in 1996? At least, yep. Um, this is a effort by the Chinese to get a... a if Bobolinsky is, is describing as true, this is an effort by the Chinese government to have a backdoor way of influencing Joe Biden. I think it is safe to say if Joe Biden wins, this is going to be investigated by somebody... If Republicans lose control of the Senate, then the Senate committees will not investigate it. The House committees will not investigate it. I don't know how much the Department of Justice is investigating it, but Joe Biden coming in and saying, you're not going to investigate my son, would create a, a scandal on exactly the same level everything that's been accused of Trump in the Trump campaign. We, we have everything that's been accused about Trump and Russiagate at work here between Biden and China. This is a huge deal. It should be treated as a huge deal. And this makes everybody's insistence that, you know, Twitter saying you can't link to this New York Post story uh, Facebook saying you can't link to this New York Post story. This all looks like everybody's circling the wagons because Joe Biden has an idiot son who got involved with all kinds of people he should not have. And this takes it one step further, suggesting that Joe Biden knew about all this stuff, was involved in all this stuff, and that efforts were made to hide the fact that Biden was getting money through these deals. It is a giant hunkin', you know, sort of thing that should turn politics upside down. We will see if a lot of people figure out ways to avert their eyes from this. Um, but if this really does pan out, the Biden presidency might be over before it starts. If there's one at all. So, Jim, uh, you mentioned that Biden's typical reaction has been, how dare you uh, talk about my son that way, and that he should have gone point by point about, about what the facts seem to be in the case. He, I, I would say, A, won't and refuses to, and B, probably can't even do that at this point. And so he's going to go back to that, right? And, and basically spend his time accusing Trump of uh, engaging in conspiracy theories or last minute smears, I think is how the campaign referred to it recently. So uh, how do you expect this to play out on the debate stage tonight? Uh, will Trump go in with uh, both barrels blazing? Will he do it uh, more, more subtly and make Biden actually try to answer questions? How do you expect it to play out? My fear is that we will get another night of two old men shouting at each other. Um, and I, this is not what this issue requires. I, I would like, you know, ideally, in a perfect world, we would have the the reporters for Fox News. But it's not, by the way, it's not Sean Hannity. You know, it's we're talking about John Roberts. We're talking about Mike Emanuel. We're talking about, you know, respected journalists who are not going along with every crazy rumor that they see on the Internet. And that they would be able to lay out all these documents and say, you know, Mr. Vice President, can you explain these things? You know, ideally, is you know, did you ever discuss this with your son? And oh, you know, if you didn't, why do these text messages indicate that they were not supposed to mention that you were involved? Why would they be saying those sorts of things if you were not involved? Why would your 
your son's business partners talk about you being involved if you were genuinely not involved. But we're not going to get any of that. I don't think Trump is capable of remembering all the details and doing kind of the, the equivalent of a prosecutor's cross-examination, which is what this calls for. This, this, you know, this is this is a crime. This is bribery. This is this is something. I don't care the fact that Joe Biden was not vice president when this occurred. Everybody knew there was a good chance he'd be running for president again. And by investing in his son, you had a way of investing in the future president of the United States. So I'm hoping Trump can lay this out in detail and instead not just shout, "He's corrupt! He's corrupt!" You know, and all that kind of stuff. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I'm not optimistic that whether Trump handles this issue well tonight or not, this issue is not going to be going away. Certainly not. Do you think uh, Biden got a call in the last few days from Al Gore saying, all you have to say is no controlling <laughs> legal authority? I don't know how well that worked for, for Al Gore. <laughs> I kind of wonder if that may have played a factor in the 2000 election results. But there's one other thing which uh, was mentioned to me by a colleague. And it's idle speculation. But, you know, hey, what are we here for, Greg? Um, <laughs> so remember 2016, Joe Biden was thinking about running for president in that cycle. His son, Bo Biden, passed away, and that's a lot for any man to take. And ultimately, he decided not to run. But there were various reports that Joe, that uh, Barack Obama did not want to see Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden competing against each other in the primary and had taken kind of subtle steps to discourage Joe Biden from running, saying that if your heart's not into it, you really shouldn't do it and things like that. Look, we've heard that there were people in the Obama administration who were at minimum not comfortable with Hunter Biden and his business dealings who saw this as a potential problem, who saw it at minimum as creating the appearance of a conflict of interest, if not an actual conflict of interest. You look at this and you start wondering, did Barack Obama or other people, other, other like really high level people in the Obama administration look at Hunter Biden and see this sort of thing as a ticking time bomb? That kid is trouble. He's associating with all kinds of people who are shady and foreign businesses. This is uh uh, this is worse than Roger Clinton. This is worse, worse than Billy Carter. You know, insert your embarrassing presidential relative here. Um, can't help but wonder if maybe some people around, and you clearly, you know, some Obama folks jumped on board the Joe Biden bandwagon, but a whole bunch did not. And I can't help but wonder if maybe some of them had some inkling that this was a bomb that is waiting to go off in the background of Joe Biden and are just surprised it didn't explode until this one. Jim, see you tomorrow. Enjoy the debate. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget all the great savings and convenience you can find at Stamps.com. All you have to do is go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in 3Martini, and save yourself a lot of time and money. Please subscribe to the 3Martini Lunch podcast if you haven't already. We love your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. They're very helpful to us. Also, please remember you can get us on those government surveillance devices. All you have to say is play 3Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great day, and we'll see you on Friday for the next 3Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.